Well, hey everyone, thanks for checking out this message from Journey Church. These resources are so awesome to have when you're out in nature like we are and you gotta go be outside on these nice days. However, we want you to know that there is nothing better than true fellowship with believers and live worship with your fellow Christians. So be sure to use this message only in conjunction with getting fed in a community of believers. Hey, we also want you to get connected with us, so be sure to text the word CONNECT to 307-271-9160 so that you can stay in the loop with everything happening at Journey Church and get notifications about upcoming events. Hey, we pray that this message encourages you and inspires you as you continue this life on your walk with Jesus. Well, it's good to get into God's Word today. I received a just a great compliment from someone uh, here recently, and they said uh, they said these words. They said, "I look forward to Sundays. I look forward to coming to church, and that's really what I want for the heart of everyone. That you look forward to worshiping God. That it's not about Journey Church being here at Journey Church. Maybe it's a different church that is your home church, but I, I want you to have that heart where you look forward." to Sunday's coming, that the week is not the weekend that you're looking forward to, it's Sunday, because I get to worship God, I get to be with fellow believers, I get to open God's word and study God's word, and that's really the heart of the believer. I want to let you know, last week I had mentioned that I wasn't feeling all of that well. I kind of threw everyone off. I didn't realize that I had done this, but when I came up on stage, I had a bucket for an analogy, and everybody thought I was sick, and I'm bringing a bucket on stage with me. So that was, I would never get that sick and, and preach on a day like that. So if I am that sick, I am going to call it in sick. That's what I'm going to do. We have other pastors that can fill in. Uh, today, we are continuing. If this is your first time here, we want to welcome you. Uh, but today we are continuing a series of messages that we started uh, back before Christmas. And the series is called Sit, Walk, Stand. And it's covering the book of Ephesians. Ephesians is nicely divided into three parts. There's a part about learning to sit. I need to sit. I need to receive. I need to rest. I need to know God. I need to get to know him. And I'm just sitting and receiving. And then in Ephesians chapter 4, we learn how to walk. And walking is, how do I live out this life? How do I walk through this life? And then I learn in chapter 6 how to stand, and that is, how do I fight the spiritual battle that is raging all around me? We are in a spiritual battle. We have a war that is happening around us, and we will learn, as we get to that point of Ephesians, how to stand firm in the armor of God. How do we stand firm against the battles that are happening in our world? Well, today, we find ourselves in Ephesians chapter 3, we are going to start a little mini-series in verses 14 through 21. In fact, we're going to cover not just today, but it could be two, possibly three, maybe even four weeks, I haven't decided yet, on this section of Scripture. Because what we're going to learn in this section of Scripture that Paul is going to give us in the book of Ephesians is we are going to have a sense of learning how to pray. Paul's going to give us the model of what prayer 
looks like and how we are to approach God in prayer. Now, if you remember from last week, what we learned last week was that Paul was saying there has been this great mystery that has taken place. The mystery was hidden in the Old Testament. It became revealed in the New Testament. And the mystery is this, that everyone now can have access to God. It's not just for the Jewish people as it was in the Old Testament. Now, God is open to everyone. God is available to everyone. You can have a relationship with God. If you trust Jesus in your heart, then you have been made part of God's family. You have been made a citizen of God's kingdom. You have access to God. Last week I mentioned it's kind of like having a backstage pass. You've been given access to the throne room of God. Well, today we are going to learn how do I approach God? How do I approach the one who's given me access? And I can do so through prayer. Let's get into God's word in just a moment. Let's pray and let's, uh, and let's ask for God to help us here today. Father, we want to come to your throne room today. We want to approach your throne of grace today that you've given us access to with reverence and submission and humility. Father, we humbly come before you. You are our Father, and we can have a close relationship with you as our Father, but you are also King of the universe. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. You are the Almighty Creator God. So we want to approach you today, Lord, understanding the reverence that we need to have for you, but also understanding the intimacy and impact and access that you've given us by being our Father. I pray today, Lord, that we would hear your word, that we would learn from your word, that we would learn how to pray, and that this would affect our lives as we go through, not only today, not only this week, but the weeks to come. Teach us, Lord, to pray. Your disciples came to you, Jesus, after they heard you pray and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Help us to have that same heart. Lord, teach us to pray. We thank you for this day. We give you the honor and the glory and the praise that you deserve. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today, again, we're going to learn how to pray. When I was a kid, I used to like to eavesdrop on my parents. Uh, I'd eavesdrop uh, and hear about what was going on. What are they talking about? Can I catch any information? Usually, it was about my sisters who were always in trouble. It was never about me. I was never in trouble, but I'd hear stories. At Christmas time, I really like to eavesdrop because I'd like to hear maybe what are the gifts that are going to be given? Can I hear? hear a little bit about some of those gifts. And so I would eavesdrop over what my parents were saying. I never went as far as opening my presents ahead of time. I don't know if any of you ever did that. You saw the presents under the tree, waited until your parents were asleep, snuck down, opened the gift. Did anybody do that? Well, we had a family uh, that was friends of our family, and they had a son. And this son decided he couldn't wait for Christmas, and so he decided he was going to open his gifts ahead of time, carefully, and then he would rewrap them and put them under the tree. Well, middle of the night, he woke up and did that. He carefully unwrapped them, saw what all the gifts were, wrapped them back up, put them back under the tree. Now, he would have gotten away with it had he not used black electrical tape instead of scotch tape to rewrap the presents. You know, eavesdropping is not a practice that we should do. It's not one that we should follow. I don't do that. I don't try to eavesdrop on people, though I've been accused of that at times. I remember a lady coming up to me after a sermon, and she said to me, 
you were following me around this week, weren't you? And I said, I'm sorry, I've never actually met you. I've not been following you around. No, you've been following me around because in your sermon, you talked about exactly what my week has been. And I said, I, I haven't been following you around, but I know someone who has. And she said, who? And I said, God, he has been following you around and he has seen everything that's gone on in your life. You know, we can learn things about people when we listen to what their heart is we listen to what the real conversations are. I remember as a kid, there was a famous commercial and a kid in, in my teens, and it was from a, a financial firm called E.F. Hutton. I don't know if any of you would remember that, but E.F. Hutton, the famous commercial was always where uh, a client and an investment representative were talking together, and then they were talking about investments, and somebody was eavesdropping on the conversation. And the tagline always was, um, when E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. Well, that kind of attitude is the same thing that we are going to have today. We are going to eavesdrop on Paul's prayer of for the church in Ephesus. And we're going to hear his heart and we're going to hear the model of how to pray through some of the things that Jesus says here today. Do you know you can learn, especially if you're a young person, you can learn about people's hearts if you ask them to pray. I've had young people come to me before. They're in a dating relationship, and I will say, well, what is he like or she like spiritually? And they'll say, well, I, I don't know. I'm like, you don't know? Well, here's a good way to find out. Ask them to pray. And when you ask them to pray, you'll see their connection to God and you'll hear their heart as they pray. Today, we're going to hear Paul's heart. And Paul is going to have three things that he is modeling in his prayer to the Ephesians in chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. Paul is going to start the prayer with adoration. He's going to talk about adoration. Adoration is his focus with the Lord. That is upreach. I am reaching to God and I am starting my prayer with adoration. He's realizing who he is talking to. And then we are going to look at Paul saying, talking about intercession. Intercession is prayers for other people. When you pray for other people, you intercede. So it's called intercession or intercessory prayer when you're praying for somebody else. You're talking to God about a person or them or their needs. And we need to be about the business of intercessory prayer, praying for others, especially people we want to see come to the Lord. And then Paul is going to talk about, or he's going to give a benediction. And the benediction is how he closes, and he's going to close with a beautiful worship time, an outburst of praise and worship to God. So there's adoration, intercession, and benediction. Now, all we are going to focus on today is adoration. And what I want to look at is what Paul prayed. We're going to read all of those words that Paul prayed. And then I also, in just a little bit, want to look at the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. By the way, the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray was not the rote, ritualistic words that we often turn it into. Many churches quote, and that's part of their time, we're going to say the Lord's Prayer. Jesus was not giving a prayer to say. He was sharing 
sharing the model of what prayer is supposed to be and how it's supposed to look. And amazingly, Jesus's prayer and Paul's prayer are very similar in structure and very similar in nature. And we can learn how we approach the God who has given us access. Well, Let's read the words of Paul in chapter 3, verses 14 through 21, and then I'm going to come back and talk about them. Paul starts in this way. For this reason... Now, the reason is everything we had talked about last time. For this reason, for the reason of the mystery, the reason that God has broken down the barriers. He's given access to everybody. No one is excluded from God. If you trust in Jesus, you're made part of the church. You're made part of the kingdom of God. And that's what he's saying. For the reason of this mystery that the door is open to everyone, I bow my knees before the Father. From him, every family in heaven and on earth receives its name. I pray that from his glorious riches, he would grant you to be strengthened in your inner being with power through his Holy Spirit in Hebrews, the Ruach, so that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to grasp with all of the saints, the holy ones, in Hebrew, the Kedoshim, what is the width and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Messiah, which surpasses knowledge, so you may be filled up with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far beyond all that we ask or imagine, by means of his power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church, the community of believers, and in Messiah Yeshua, Christ Jesus, throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. We're going to look just at the first two verses that we read here today, and we're going to look at the first two verses of the Lord's Prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. All of this today is the focus of adoration. Paul starts his prayer with bringing his praise to God, and we start our prayers by bringing our praise and our petitions to God. Now, there's a reason that we start our prayers by praising him and bringing adoration. We'll get into that in just a minute. Let's look together at this. Here's what Paul writes. He says, for this reason, because God has given you access I bow my knees. I want to start right there with that phrase, I bow my knees. This is how Paul starts his prayer. I'm going to bow my knees. What is the bowing of the knees? Now, Jesus, or, uh, Paul was writing this from prison. He was sitting in a prison cell. Most likely, the prison cell that Paul would have been sitting in, he would have been chained to a couple of guards at all times. Paul's sitting there in prison, and he's writing this, I bow my knees. Paul may have been literally saying, I'm going to get on my knees, even though there's guards around me, on your behalf. That may be how he was saying it, but really, what Paul is saying is a more figurative language. I'm going to figuratively bow my knees to the Lord, because I adore the Father, I adore his son Jesus, I'm going to get on my knees figuratively for you. It's really what he is saying is a 
posture and a position of the heart. It's all about your heart. It always is about the heart of people. He's not saying I need to get on my knees literally. He's saying I'm going to bow my heart and submit my heart to you. Now, that brings up a good question. What should the posture of a Christian be when we're praying? Is there one? Should we stand when we pray? As some people do, let us rise. That kind of uh, that kind of attitude and idea. Should we kneel when we pray? Is that how we should should we pray? Is it raising of your hands? Is it folding your eyes and bowing your head? Is it laying down uh, laying down prostrate to the Lord? Is that how we pray? Or is there another way? Is it swaying back and forth with hands raised? How should we pray? Well, different people have different traditions on how they should pray. And it kind of comes down to what you grew up with. Some of you grew up in a situation where you went to a church that was that was that had at those those uh, pews they had wooden pews and they had a wooden kneeler in front of the pews i don't know how many of you grew up in a tradition like that you had a kneeler uh, on those wooden pews and you were to kneel so you would stand you would sit you would kneel you would sit you would stand you would kneel and you couldn't wait to sit again but then you would have to kneel and i'm convinced that those were invented by, the, uh, by a medieval torturer so that you feel miserable when you approach God. And that may be one of your ways that you learn to pray. My tradition that I came out of growing up was the stage or the platform always had an altar around the platform and you'd come to the altar and you would kneel at the altar. What was that all about? Well, it was a way to say, I'm fervently serious, God. And it was also a way to let everybody else in the congregation know that I've got problems and I need to deal with these. I want you to know that what's going on. So there was maybe that attitude and maybe that's how you grew up praying. Some people, again, will close their eyes. Now, me personally, when I like to pray, I like to, I, I like to close my eyes when I pray because I don't want any distractions that are happening. I like to also, though, pray when I take walks. I like to go on a walk, and I like to pray and have conversations with God as I'm walking. I don't close my eyes while I'm doing that. I'm walking along and having a conversation with God. I've also taken up, you know, six, eight months ago, I took up flying, and I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the flying, and I will get out in the plane, and I will fly over the city, and I will pray as I'm flying. Again, I don't close my eyes when I'm doing that. I am praying as I'm flying for the city. And then when I am on approach to land, I am really praying for myself that I don't die through that process. That is the prayer. There's no right way to pray. Did you know that? Do you know that in the Bible, you don't find a commandment anywhere that says that you need to fold your, fold your hands and bow your eyes and close your eyes in prayer. There's nothing that says it anywhere. In fact, here's what some of the things that the Bible says. Paul says this, he writes this, I pray, Paul said, that men everywhere would lift up holy hands without wrath or doubting. So Paul says, lift up holy hands. Abraham stood before the Lord when he made intercession for the city of Sodom in Genesis chapter 18. King Jehoshaphat bowed on the ground with his soldiers as he prayed before the battle of Moab in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Daniel bowed three times a day, facing Jerusalem in Daniel chapter 6. 
Jesus knelt on the ground in Luke chapter 22, and then in anguish, he fell on the ground before the Lord. David sat in 2 Samuel chapter 7 as he offered a prayer of thanksgiving. So what is the proper posture? Well, all the above. It's a way to get yourself in a position that you are humbly surrendered and coming before the Lord. And that's the purpose of bowing. The purpose of Paul saying, I bow my knees is I'm surrendering my heart and I am recognizing my position compared to God's position. I want to adore you. And what is the best way to do that? Maybe it's getting on the floor. Maybe it's on your knees. Maybe it is walking with him. Maybe it's driving in your car with him. Maybe it's whatever. It is getting your heart right before the Lord. There were three pastors debating this question. What is the right way to pray? And these three pastors all had different theories on the right way to uh, pray. The first one says, you know, he says, you need to pray with your hands together. Your hands need to be pointed up toward heaven. Your eyes need to be closed. Your head needs to be bowed. And your face needs to have a pious look about it. That's the proper way to pray. Another pastor said, and he was from a different tradition, he said, I disagree. Uh, It's not in the hands, it's about the body. I'd like to get on my knees before the Lord and show that I'm deeply humble and deeply serious. A third pastor says, trying to outdo the others, no, I disagree with all of that. Uh, He says, I like to get on to the floor and eventually not only start with bowing, but I like to get all the way laid out on the floor because then God knows I'm really humble about this at all. That's the right way to pray. Man listening in the back, and he said, gentlemen... I'm a, I'm a phone repairman, and the most powerful prayer that I ever prayed was when I was dangling by my heels 40 feet above the ground on a telephone pole. I cried out to God with all of my heart, and I hope I never pray like that again. That's the attitude. So what is the right attitude? Well, the right attitude is this. It's not about the position of your body. It's not about how you hold your hands. It's not how, about you, how you close your eyes or bow your your head. It's not if you're on your knees or not. The position of the body isn't important. It's the position of your heart. As you approach God, what is your heart like? Many people look like they're pious and look like they're praying, but their hearts are far from God. And so what is your heart? Paul says, I bow my knees because I surrender to him. I'm humble before him and I trust him. And that's the approach that you take. Now, he goes on. I bow my knees before who? The Father. That's who I'm coming to. When you come to God, do you understand that you are going to the Father? You're going to the Creator. You're going to the Almighty when you come to him in prayer. The disciples of Jesus wondered, how do we pray? Now, They saw Jesus praying. They thought Jesus was powerful in his prayers. It was very effective prayer that Jesus has. So the disciples looked at Jesus and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Now notice, they did not say teach us how to pray. They knew how to pray. They were Jewish. They grew up praying. They had ritualistic prayers that they would say all the time. They knew how to pray, but They were asking Jesus, teach us to pray. 
Help us to know the right heart. Help us to be about the business of prayer. Well, Jesus brings them in together. And he says, don't pray like the hypocrites who love to stand on the street corner and make a big spectacle out of things and get everybody's attention. Don't pray like the Gentiles who love to use their their words and just speak nonsense words thinking they're connecting to God. Instead, here's what you to do. Go into your into that secret place and pray to your father who knows what's going on. Pray this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed or sanctified be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now notice, Jesus says, start in the same way that Paul said. He says, start with our Father. Paul said, I bow my knees before the Father. Now there's three things that I want to give you about this adoration from what Jesus is going to teach us to pray. And the number one thing I want you to understand is that you need to, in order to adore him, acknowledge the position of God. Acknowledge the position of God. What does that mean? Instead of just rushing into the prayer requests... Acknowledge who God is first and acknowledge God's position first. God's position is one of two things that we really need to be focusing on. Number one, he says he's our father. Now that's a beautiful sentiment. He is our father, God. In Hebrew, you can drill that word father down to the word Abba. And it's a child like attitude as you approach God. I can come to a loving God who cares about me, who brings me in, brings me access, and I can approach him because he's my father. He's my Abba father. But there's a balance to that, and the balance is he is also the almighty God. He is also the creator God, and we can't lose sight of the reverence that we have to have for him. His position is he has created all things. He is the almighty God. And when I approach him, I am approaching him first, not with what I want, but recognizing who he is. Jesus did not say, I'll tell you what, here's how to pray, guys. Our father, give me my daily bread. He didn't say that. He said, first, approach him in the right way. You acknowledge the position of God. Now, there's an example of that, a great example in Acts chapter 4. The disciples were, uh, they had just gotten out of prison. The disciples were jailed. They were persecuted. They went before a trial by a group called the Sanhedrin. They were told it's illegal to preach Jesus. Don't you dare do it again. And so they gathered together and they thought, what are we going to do? We need to preach Jesus. It's the good news. We need to share this with people. How are we going to handle this? They thought, I know what we're going to do. We're going to pray. Every great movement of God starts with a prayer service. Have you seen and been aware of what's been going on in Asbury, Kentucky? You guys following those on the news? If you haven't, do a YouTube search or a Google search of Asbury 2023 or Asbury Revival. About a week and a half ago, they had a, it was, this is a Christian university, a week and a half ago, they had a normal chapel service. They always have them, a couple times a week. This chapel service that they were having that day, 
a handful of students stayed around after the service concluded, and they didn't want to leave. They thought, we need to continue to pray. We need to continue to worship. Other students heard about this. Other faculty heard about this, and they came and joined them. The, that faculty it spread out into the community. People from the community came and joined them. From that moment, they have had 24-7 worship and praise and testimonies and teaching from that moment all the way a week and a half later. And as far as I know, it's still going on. The chapel itself seats about 1,000 people. Outside the lines are two to three to four times that amount of people waiting to get in. My son sent me a picture of his friend who was waiting to get in, and he was standing in a long line just with the hopes of getting into this. Every great movement starts with prayer. And the first access of prayer is acknowledging God's position. So the disciples have been arrested. They were told, don't you dare preach again. Don't share anything about the gospel. They said, what do we do? Let's pray. What is the first thing they pray? Well, here's the prayer that they prayed. Lord, you are God. You made the heaven and the earth, the sea, everything that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David said, why do the nations rage and the people imagine vain things? They quoted Psalm 2, but what was the first attitude? We want to praise him because he's the one that deserves the praise. It's not about us. It's about him. And that's the right perspective of prayer. Prayer is the first, the acknowledgement of the position of God. You are God. I'm not. You're my father. I'm your child. You're the king, and I am your servant. Number two, acknowledge the authority of God. What does the authority of God mean? Well, let's look to, again at this. Our Father, hallowed, sanctified be your name. Your kingdom come. Who rules a kingdom? A king. So what is the... <coughs> authority of God? He is the king. Paul said this, not only is he the king, from him every family in heaven and on earth receives its name. He is the creator. So what do we acknowledge in the authority of God? He is the creator and he is the king. And that's how we acknowledge the authority of God. Many of us have this backwards because we think we are the kings of our lives. That we're in control of our lives. How many of us spend our energy trying to build our little kingdoms and our little empires? I have to accumulate. I have to rule over my kingdom and my subjects. My family becomes my subjects and I have to rule over them. And I have to build my empire, build my kingdom, accumulate my gold and put it into my treasuries. Well, that's not the attitude we're, we're to have. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about God. Lord, it's your kingdom. What is your plan? What do you want for my life? How can I help you, God, build your kingdom in this place? What are you doing in your life? And it can start with prayer, by the way. But what are you doing to help build the kingdom of God in Gillette, in Wyoming, if this is not your home, where you live, what difference are you making for the kingdom of God? 
That's the authority of God. It's not just some guy in the sky. He is king of kings and lord of lords, and he has authority. Number three, we acknowledge the position of God. We acknowledge the authority of God, and we acknowledge the will of God. Again, what did Jesus say? Your will be done on earth as it is, is in heaven. We acknowledge the will of God. God, what is your will? What, is the, what does this mean, the will of God? That is the plan. That is the purpose. What does God want to accomplish? I want his will to be done and not my will. I want his will accomplished and not my plan accomplished. Don't live for yourself. Don't be trying to accumulate and to accomplish your will. Instead, say, God, I want your will to be done in my life. Pray according to God's will. How do you know God's will? Well, I'm glad you asked the question. You read God's word. You study God's word. You are in God's word. And the will of God becomes apparent to all. And that's how I begin to pray. Do you know that God answers every prayer? Every prayer. It's just not always the answer we want. Every prayer you pray, God will answer. Some will be yes, and some will be no. The no's, we may not want to hear that, but it's exactly what we need, and it's exactly the right thing that God has in his will for us. Many of you are parents, you have children or you have raised children, maybe they're grown now, maybe they're still young and in the house, but if you have children, you will know that you don't always say yes to your children. At bedtime, my kids have brushed their teeth, they have gotten into bed. If they say to me, dad, I would like a candy bar, I'm going to say no. Not only because it's good for them, but it's also a peace of mind for me because if they had candy at night, they would be bouncing off the walls and it would just drive me crazy. So I say no, not because I don't love them, but because I care for them. Some parents don't understand this concept. You just give the kids anything you want. No, there's boundaries that have to be set. And God is the same way. If my kids say, well, you, you take them to the store and they see all kinds of toys in the store and, and they're seeing everything that they want, it's okay for you to say no. That's the way God is. God will sometimes say no. Sometimes he says yes, but sometimes he says no. It's not because he doesn't love you. It's because he cares for you more deeply than you can understand. We have to say this to our kids all the time. No, you can't have that. No, you can't punch your sister. No, you can't pinch your brother. No, you can't talk like that. No, you can't act like this. No, you can't have that thing. No, you can't just have whatever freedom you want to have. Saying no sometimes is the answer. It's the will of God. What is the will of God? I have to acknowledge, God, I want to put myself under your will. It's not about me. It's about what you want. It's about what your plan is. Jesus did this. Do you know that when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was facing the cross. In his humanity, he knew how bad it was going to be. He knew the beatings. He knew the crown of thorns. He knew the getting nailed to the cross. He knew what it was going to be to die on the cross. And the most awful part of it all is he knew the separation between he and the Father that he would experience. Jesus, in his humanity, said, 
if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Meaning, if there's another way, let's talk. And then he said, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done, thine be done. And that is the same attitude. God, it's not about me, it's about you, and I want your will to be done. So what have we heard? We need to approach God with adoration. And part of approaching God with adoration is to acknowledge God's position. You are king. Yes, you are my father, but you're also the almighty creator God. It's to acknowledge his authority. He has the kingdom. I don't. I'm just a person. And he is almighty. So you acknowledge the authority of God. You acknowledge the will of God. God, it's not my plan. It's not about what I want. I've tried to live my life the way I wanted to, but I can't do it anymore, God. Now it's your will. It's your plan. When you approach God in prayer, that's your attitude. I'm going to bow my heart and bow my life before him and praise him and worship him and acknowledge his kingdom and acknowledge his plan. And then... I'm prepared to bring requests, to bring my heart's request, and what we're going to learn from Paul is to intercede for other people. I want you, more than anything, to have a heart of prayer, that you have that closeness, that intimacy, and that connection with God that you love to spend time in prayer with him. I'm going to close with a story. This is a story of a pastor, and I'd heard this story told by a pastor who was a very well-known pastor. He was a seminary teacher. He was well-known as a speaker. He had written several books. And this pastor tells this story. And he says, there was a woman in my church, and she wanted me to go to visit her father in the hospital. Her father was dying. And because I had known her for so long and had a close relationship with her, I said, absolutely, I would love to go see your father. Now, her father was a Christian. He had followed the Lord for many, many years, but he was close to dying. The pastor said, I'll absolutely go up and visit him, and he did. He went up to visit this man in the hospital. As he approached the man's hospital room, he looked in, knocked on the door, introduced himself. I'm Pastor So-and-so, and, -so, and I've, your daughter asked me to come up and visit you. He said, come on in, Pastor. Uh, when the pastor came in the room, he noticed that there was a chair that was set up directly by the, bed of the, uh, by the hospital bed, by the head of the hospital bed, and the chair was facing him like he was just there visiting with somebody. The pastor said, oh, am I interrupting? Did you already have company? Or were you expecting me or why, why is the chair here? And the man looked at the pastor and said, well, pastor, I'm kind of embarrassed about this. Um, no, I'm not expecting anybody and no, there was nobody just here, but I have this chair set up for a reason. He, he said, I know you're a, you know, you're a, you're a pastor, you're a theologian, you teach, you speak, you've authored books, but early in my Christianity, he said, I had a hard time praying, really had a hard time connecting with God. So I, I got some advice from a friend, and that friend said, if you're having a hard time praying, set up a chair right next to you, wherever you're at, and set that chair right across from you, and imagine that Jesus is sitting in the chair, and then have a conversation with Jesus the way you would with anyone and the man thought about it, and he thought, I'm, I'm going to try this. And he said, Pastor, that worked for me. My prayer life was never the same. Everywhere I went, 
no matter where I was, I would set up a chair and I would imagine that I'm having a conversation with Jesus. And I know it's maybe not theologically correct or maybe it's not biblically correct, but it really helped me in my prayer life. The pastor looked at him and said, that's perfectly fine. You have actually taught me something. I love your heart. I love your desire to connect with God in that way. Well, the pastor and the man visited for quite some time, and then the pastor left and went about the rest of his day and week. About three or four days later, the pastor got a call from the woman who had asked him to go visit her father in the hospital. And the woman said, Pastor, I, I, I'm sorry to say this. I'm, I'm saddened by this, but my father passed away early this morning. We're rejoicing because we know he's in heaven with God forever, but it still breaks our hearts, and we are sad by it. The pastor gave his condolences to this woman and, and, and said, I'm so sorry. Your, man, your father was such a man of God. As the conversation went on, the woman said, but there was something really weird, something very odd as he passed away. When the nurses came in to his room and found that he had passed away, he was halfway out of his bed and his head was laying on a chair. So we don't understand what that's all about. The pastor said, let me tell you, your father would always imagine that Jesus was sitting right there. For your father to die with his head on the chair means that your father died with his head in the lap of Jesus. He said, you can take comfort in that, that he knew the Lord like that. Do you know the Lord like that? Do you know the Lord that you can come to him on your very worst day and your very best day? That you can bring your praises to him? You can bring your burdens to him? You can bring your troubles to him? You can approach him in that way. It all starts with adoration. Lord, we want to adore you and acknowledge who you are. Acknowledge it's your kingdom and acknowledge it's all about your will. It's not about me at all. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer as we close this. And then I am going to have you stand and we're going to read Psalm 145 verses 1 through 3 as a closing declaration, benediction, and prayer to the Lord. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray that our hearts would know you like that, that we would have a close, deep relationship with you, that we can approach you anytime. But Lord, we don't want to approach you selfishly. We don't want to approach you like you're just this Santa Claus or magic genie in the sky. We don't want to bring our list of demands like a toddler would. We want to bring our hearts and we want to acknowledge that you are King of Kings, Lord of Lords, and yet you're also our Father. You're our Abba Father, and we can have a relationship with you. Lord, if anyone doesn't have that relationship with you, if they've never accepted you into their hearts, I would pray, Lord, that this would be the day where they say, Jesus, come into my life, forgive me of my sins, and help me to have a relationship with you. There's no magical formula, Lord. There's no rituals that we have to go through. It's simply between you and them, them surrendering their hearts to you and saying, Jesus, come into my life. Father, I pray that we would acknowledge your greatness. You're King of kings and Lord of lords, but Lord, it's your kingdom that we want to come, not ours. Convict us if we are spending way too much time building our own little empires and neglecting your kingdom work. 
Help us to be about your kingdom's business. And Father, I pray that it would be your will that would be done, not ours. It's not our plan. It's not our purpose. It's solely and entirely yours. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We thank you, Father, for meeting with us today. Thank you for your word and help us, Lord, during this week to be people of prayer and the weeks to come to have prayer as a key ingredient of our lives. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen. Would you stand? We're going to close with this statement that we will read together. Psalm 145, verses 1 through 3. Read it with gusto today as we, as we approach God. Let's read it. I will exalt you, my God, the King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is Adonai, and greatly to be praised, his greatness is unsearchable. God bless you all. Hope to see you back here next week as we continue on talking about prayer here at Journey Church. See you then. Thanks so much for checking out that message from Journey Church. We pray that it inspired you to trust the Lord, to treasure people, and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to this ministry, be sure to head over to journeychurchgillette.com and hit the give icon in the bottom right hand corner. Your generous contributions allow us to continue making content like this week after week. So thank you for your generosity so that we can keep spreading the message of Jesus Christ all over the internet. Hey, God bless you guys and thanks for listening to this message.